This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Lended Fintech Weekly News Show. My name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lended Fintech, and joined, as always, by Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm well, Peter. How are you? Doing great. And uh, joined today by uh, our Co-Founder and um, CEO, Bo Bruskern. Bo, great to have you back on the show. I can't, I can't, um, I can't quite say if whether I've been... Um promoted to guest or uh <laughs> yes of course you have this is uh it's been too long we got to get you back here uh, back here some more so anyway this is going to be our last show of 2021 and uh we have a pretty busy uh, busy news week lots of stuff happening in the last uh in the run-up to the holidays here so let's get going with i think um what i think is the biggest story of the week i mean anytime you raise a billion dollars in one funding round. It's not an IPO. This is a private funding round. Uh, that's news. That's big, big, big news. And so we have Nidig, the um, you know the, the crypto, what would you call them? I think they're like a crypto provider, focus, focus on Bitcoin, um, really providing all sorts of custody and transactional services to the, to the you know, traditional banks and others. One billion dollar funding round, seven billion dollar valuation. Um, you know, big. Uh, yeah, it's it's a huge, huge deal. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know this is something that speaks uh, speaks to the mainstreaming of crypto. What do you guys think? I think it um, <clears throat> it speaks more to the fact that big FIs are looking for access to the space um, and because their clients are asking for it, which is obviously the big reason the banks aren't going to get into something unless someone says, I want access to this asset class. But um, I think the, the size of the round is, is important, not only because of a billion is obviously a, um, a, uh, a benchmark that kind of puts you in a different stratosphere, but if they're putting in a billion dollars into one company and these are big multinational FIs, more stuff is coming uh, in terms of regulatory clarity at some point in the future because the big banks get into it. The big banks push their levers. The big banks are the ones that help write the rules and the rules slowly begin to uh, get crafted. I still think that we're a ways off from that, but it the best thing that it does for the crypto space is it just continues to push it up the ladder of importance um, and staying power. Uh, because if you're still having you know twenty million dollar funding rounds, seed rounds that are ten million, and it's kind of on the periphery, and there's like you know ten to fifteen crypto focused funds that are really fueling it. That's one thing. When you have Westpac and all these giants, Morgan Stanley, get involved, 
that changes the entire conversation. Yeah, let's just list some of those names. You've got Morgan Stanley, you've got New York Life, Mass Mutual, Fiserv, FIS, Affirm. I mean, these are some pretty well-established uh, companies out there. And really across the board of uh, from Affirm as a, a embedded finance fintech to, um, you know, New York Life, an old school insurance company. Uh, that's the that's the range. Um, that's that's really good news for the crypto community, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's may not be the largest. It's the largest round in the history of crypto, but it's probably not going to stay that way for long <laughs> because we hear rumors at FTX, which uh, we've, we've talked about that many times. They've got Tom Brady on their ads um, and they are going Predictor to for next year, Peter. Yeah. Over under 10, the amount of $1 billion rounds in the crypto space. Wow. Over. Yeah, I think it might go over too. FTX is going to lead off probably. But yeah, so um, that's you're already one in the bank before the year starts. Yeah. <laughs> and what's a what's a billion dollars these days? Like uh, <laughs> who doesn't have a billion dollars lying around? Let's face it. <laughs> well, you had four hundred and seventy-six billion for a nanosecond this week. I did. I did the Coinbase. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that, but that was the I I, I took a screenshot of my account with four hundred and sixty-seven billion. Yeah, they ten x his uh, his portfolio. Ten x exactly. <laughs> 10 million X, yes. Anyway, let's move on. We're going to stay with, stay with um, crypto and stay with uh, funding rounds. Uh, $350 million Series D. So, you know, this is a really, you know, really sizable round. $3 billion valuation, Anchorage Digital. I mean, this is a company that is not very old, just, um, you know, they're, they're sort of somewhat competitive to NYDIG, uh, again, providing services to traditional financial institutions. And you look at the huge syndicate of traditional financial uh, companies that are in this. It's uh, really... Goldman Sachs, Andreessen, Apollo, BlackRock, GIC, PayPal Ventures. Kraken. Wellington Management. I mean, those old traditional names, again. Toma Bravo, putting... Bravo, did you mention them? Yeah. I didn't, but it, it, it that old money going into the space is is starting to change the um equation um and i think the other big thing i'm not sure if it happens in 2022 i think it could uh which is at the very least the regulators are allowing banks to hold crypto on their balance sheets which mm -hmm. they cannot yet and there are some ways that banks become acquirers of these assets uh, that they don't intend to. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of banks out there that probably have the, the, the assets on their balance sheet accidentally. Uh, and so I think that could also, I, I'd be interested to see what that would do to, um, you know, some of these types of firms who are basically helping inst the financial institutions hold and get access to crypto because they can't hold on their own balance sheet. Yeah, I mean the the trend here is the institutional crypto custody. You've got Anchorage, um, um, and um, CoinDesk. Um, I'm sorry, United. Um, uh, both raising huge rounds this in in one week, and they and they're very thematic. And um, and we've got uh, uh, a trend, right? So so I think it that's the interesting thing the other interesting thing is that one is very bitcoin centric and the other is very eth or DeFi centric um and or at least uh friendly 
And then, um, but they both reporting to do the same thing. Um, one of the interesting things about, uh, about Anchorage that I noted um, is that among their services are uh, governance services, which are a really big deal in the world of DAOs and um, DeFi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, it, it speaks to, uh, I think momentum for 2022 for crypto is it's, uh, you know, uh, and if we get regulatory clarity, which, is you know, probably not super likely, but there could be more clarity than we have today. I think that's going to open up the floodgates. And, uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of big, a lot of companies, a lot of big companies, very bullish on the space. Okay, let's move back into traditional fintech, shall we say? And with this just came out today. Um, Money Lion has agreed to acquire Even Financial, and. Um, it's an interesting deal. I know, bro, you, you, you dove into it a little bit on the details here. But, yeah, Moneyline did their SPAC deal earlier this year. They have been trading pretty steadily down, um, unfortunately for them. But uh, they, you know, this and even, even's been a, a pretty major player. They've got, they sort of got this embedded finance thing. They used to be just really more of a referral comparison, loan comparison, credit card comparison type site. But now they, uh, they've they really got a, a pretty broad suite of offerings. And uh, Moneyline is, uh, you know, going to acquire them. Yeah. The, the, the one piece that I could not decipher, and I, I did some digging um, after this, announcement came out was where the um, preferred shares are priced and and how they're preferred what sort of what sort of um, terms are embedded in those in those instruments because you're, yeah, you're getting your nerdy valuation hat on now no, no, no it's, <laughs> it's an important hat to wear from time to time <laughs> the deal is on 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 um, what was the announcement 440 million it says yeah. right? 15 million in cash. It's a $15 million deal. One yeah. five. Then there's 345 million in preferred shares, but those convert at $10 a share. And the company is trading at $3.75, $3.75. So, so either these shares are underwater and it's actually a $15 million deal with some uh, underwater warrants, essentially, or it's more than that. But those details were not accessible to me. Maybe they were accessible. I didn't find them. Um, so this is somewhere in the range of a fifteen to five hundred million dollar deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a that's not a very big range. <laughs> I mean, it's a you know from uh, stepping back from the the financial aspect to it. Um, you know, I I think you're we're only going to continue to see more of these types of deals strategically across fintech. I mean, you have a lot of these companies that, you know, kind of gain traction, get a little momentum and then kind of come up against the ceiling. Uh, and as we know, most of them are not money-making uh, and require constant funding. And eventually four or five of these together then become, all right, this is, this is a, a sizable, uh, firm uh, to deal with uh, customer wise and um, and and whatnot, but um, I, I see this as only the beginning of a probably not yet because I think a lot of companies think they can do special things, uh, but probably by twenty three we'll start seeing a bit more of a consolidation as Web three you know continues to elevate. They kind of begin to interact with each other. Web two, Web three, 
uh, and the fintech companies start seeing like the 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 room for their continued growth is not there, and then you just get acquisition and buyouts and. The bankers are making the investment bankers are making money every <laughs> oh, yeah. every time. Always. Right. Right. Yes, indeed. We had that we had that article about Steve McLaughlin in the Wall Street Journal just a couple of weeks ago where talk about investment bankers making money. No one makes more than Steve McLaughlin and FT partners. But uh, that's we'll move on. Next story is um, interesting offering. This was an American banker. Um, I actually got uh, Miriam Cross from American Bank, one of the journalists there, reached out to me earlier this week to just to discuss this, which I thought was super interesting. There's a, there's a CDFI, NAAC Finance, um, and they're partnering with a, with a fintech called Ascenso Finance, which I really, I really don't know well at all, um, offering small dollar loans at really low rates. You're talking small dollar loans up to $2,500, 3.5% to 20% is the range. That is, um, you know, really lower than the range that you get at, at Lending Club or or Prosper or Avant or any of those, any of the other major lenders who don't really do small dollar loans, they do much larger ticket loans. But thing that was interesting is there is a financial education requirement before you've got to actually go through this education piece before you can apply for a loan. So I'm a little skeptical about this, whether it's really going to work, but it is a CDFI with their own community. So maybe there'll be some connection there and, 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 and you know, some influence they'll be able to have. But it's, uh, you know, it's, if this was just a commercial offering, I would say it's going to fail. But, you know, with the CDFI piece, it's may, it may have a chance. Any thoughts? I love it. There's three things happening here. It's It's a... The company is lowering rates, reducing the amount of provided on a per loan basis, and um, in, and sort of I don't want to say enforcing educate financial education as a part of that. Um, I I'm going to assume it's going to succeed, and therefore we're at a point in the development of fintech where we're actually delivering on the promise of, you know building the economic fabric of uh, all of, of our um, citizens, not just, not just the, um, the wealthy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know we've done that in the past, like this isn't the first, but if, if it is successful, if it can be profitable by reducing rates at low, at small dollars, um, uh, simply by enforcing education or, or great underwriting or whatever their mix is, that's wonderful. Um, now there's a chance it fails, but I'm going to, I'm going to hope for the best here. I mean, <clears throat> let's be frank about it. It's, um, it's really hard to make money in that space Yep. and there essentially has, but there has to be FinTech and investment and opportunity to give, um, this segment of the population better chances than the gouging of the payday loans where they can make money on them. And there has to be some people that take that risk that, all right, commercially vi- commercial viability, it might not, maybe we'll break even, maybe we'll make a little money, but, you know, there, and, and this is where it ends up like, you know, the JP Morgans of the world, like invest in uh, ventures like this and, and kind of keep it afloat as kind of part of their goodwill arm and, 
uh, you know, stuff like that, which ends up keeping these things afloat for longer because the commercial viability isn't the greatest. Uh, but you need you need things like this. The, you, know, yeah. you can't have payday lenders continue to gouge uh, Americans um, over and over and over again. Yeah, no, I, I'm rooting for them as well. I think we need we need to be able to offer these kinds of uh, these kinds of rates, and if they can pull it off, that's going to be fantastic. Anyway, moving along, we had our good friend Ron Shevlin write a piece in Forbes this week. He's got his top five trends for fintech and banking in 2022. And uh, let's just go, they're interesting discussion points. And I I pretty much agree with all of them. I I feel like uh, I, I love the fact that he had his number one trend, the great overdraft overhaul, because that's something that I've been pushing for for years now and great to see it finally happening. And I think it's, it is, there's momentum behind that. Then he, he talks about the cryptification of banks, faster payments, embedded finance, and open banking. These are all hot topics in fintech. Thoughts? <laughs> you first, Bob. <laughs> you know where I'm going to go first. I mean, I think um, the big, the big, macro trend here is cryptification of everything um and as uh, peter and todd know i've been spending a lot of time um cryptifying myself and it's um uh it's it's not easy like this is a really challenging um uh world to uh to to adopt um so i don't think it happens overnight um and but but I, I think the beginning of um, the crypto curiosity has has certainly um, happened and and I think it will advance. But uh, that is a mega trend. It's not a it's not a twenty two thing. It's going to be a twenty one and 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 quite a long time beyond thing. To me, I think the the more uh, fascinating bullet is the payment modernization. Um, and the the challenge that's going on right now to the traditional providers, Visa, Mastercard, you know, the Apple challenge, um, the Square challenge, where essentially that there's these new ecosystems slash rails being created that kind of circumvent the buy now pay later circumvents, um, you know, Visa, and Mastercard uh, as well, and kind of these what will end up being these competing rails, um, these competing payments rails where Visa and MasterCard have to continue to slash their prices. Um, then you have others that come into the space. And then there's a cohort of interoperability players that begin to flush out of that because you want to connect Visa to Square, to Apple, to whatever. Um, and so to me, I think, Outside of the crypto one, which to me is a generational um, issue, trend, problem that's going to be fixed in 25 or 30 years or adopted in 25, 30 years. Uh, I know people think I'm crazy by saying that long out. Two and a half or three years, probably. (laughs) Yeah, and then the regulators will kill it for 20 years and it'll come back in 25. Um, But to me, I think that the payments thing is just so fascinating where you go from these two dominant players to probably five to ten. And then how 
you know, what merchants are able to then, um, you know, kind of stand up with all these different options. I, I think it's a fascinating thing. And, and the one good thing is that usually the customer in the end wins. So merchants are going to win and consumers are going to win because payments are going to get cheaper and faster. Yep. Yep. And interestingly, that in, in Chevron's piece, he doesn't actually mention that. He mentions faster payments like the, 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 you know, the, the faster payments that, um, that are actually happening directly. Um, what's the other clearinghouse and others that are doing faster payments. He doesn't mention the new, new rails that are coming up. That's one thing that I would have probably put in if I, if, if I was doing this article. But. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Anyway, funny is we had a, we had a webinar yesterday with Ron. Uh, it was a speaker on it. Um, and he hates the word open banking, but he used it in his, uh, in his right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sometimes it's just the best descriptive word. Yep, it's the one everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go back to the world of crypto. Um, this one, notice this uh, today where consensus, that's the, the, the <laughs> company that is um, really, yeah, really the Ethereum kind of, uh, I don't know what, what you call them, founders, or certainly they're really, uh, really big in Ethereum. They are... Uh, they have uh, collaborating with MasterCard on a new scaling system. That's one of the, I mean, the big knocks on on a lot of crypto is that the, you just can't handle the transactions. I think it was like Ethereum right now. Was it? But was it three hundred transactions a second? It's not super. Yeah, fast. Bitcoin's like Bitcoin's like twelve or fifteen or something. It's really slow. But they're talking about now scaling this to ten thousand transactions a second, and that is up to you know where Visa and MasterCard. Uh, like maxing out today, so interesting, interesting piece. Are we going to see this? This this makes it look like you know. And I, this is where I feel like I get excited. Where I think, okay, so we can have crypto be the payment mechanism of the future, and people can, and particularly when you you know you get into some of the more other technology that's happening with uh, wallets and stuff, you know that. We haven't seen this really have this alternative payment system, but this seems like MasterCard's looking at it, Consensus is looking at it. Yeah, I mean, this is, um, so ZK rollups are um, a process that um, uses zero knowledge um, to transact at uh, be between two parties that don't necessarily know uh, the counterparties. And is that what ZK rollup stands for? Yeah, zero knowledge. Yeah. Okay, good to yeah. know. I've been hearing that term again and again, and I didn't know what it was. And it sits up on layer two um, above <clears throat> Ethereum, and then and then every once in a while drops down onto the um, Ethereum blockchain and and implants basically a, a transaction record that ratifies all the transactions that happen on layer two in layer one. So that was your that was your thirty second introduction to zk rollups. Um, the um, the cool thing is the speed and the and the security that they've developed. The cool thing also is that these are two giants. You've got Consensus working with Mastercard, um, and Mastercard is taking a bold step forward. I know Visa has a really strong crypto program, but this is a really exciting thing, and it's essentially saying, "Look, you know, Consensus rollups will be." Uh, a viable alternative to Visa and MasterCard rails. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be super cool because you're doing it on an open um, uh, blockchain that is Ethereum um, 
centric or Ethereum similar, um, uh, EVM compatible, and you can do it on a private blockchain. And so there's a huge amount of innovation that can go on in that kind of an environment. If you could uh, <clears throat> package that clip, uh, send it to your local congressman and senator, uh, and then they'll write back, what in God's name is this? Yeah. There is a, there is a, there's uh, a learning curve. There's a learning curve. But that uh, makes me more and more confident every day in a generation to get any of this remotely close. Yeah, well, we're not going to... No, it's just it's a matter of building apps on top of it, right? Yeah. I mean... Look at where we were a couple of years ago when it would, and part of the reason why we all sat on the sidelines for so long, first of all, we were busy with our regular lives. And, and, and because of that, we couldn't overcome the challenge of just getting onto the thing. The only, the only way to play in, in, in um, the world of crypto was to literally just go buy coins on, on Coinbase. And that's boring, right? But as soon as MetaMask started taking off, like that just made it one step greater, easier. And next year, MetaMask is going to look like, oh yeah, that was the old innovation. Now look at all these apps that have been built on top of it. So well, that's what I like. I, I think the thing around like connecting a wallet, when you connect your wallet to your browser, this is a browser plugin. I've got a MetaMask wallet connecting to my browser and everywhere you go around around Web3, it, it just knows, oh, you've got your wallet. Do you want to connect this it's to this? It's single sign-on. It's yeah. single sign-on and it's very powerful. And I could see... That I mean, it's not going to take much to say. Oh, you want to, you want uh, you know the payment mechanism to come out, and you can not only that, you can now pay. You know, you can pay a penny, no problem at all with this system if you're transacting in one of the, um, you know, in one of the layer twos where where there's no gas fees. You can, or very 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 minor gas fees, like a tenth of a penny, uh, sort the, of thing. The power of that ecosystem is starting to show up in in alpha and beta products that. That I'm, that I'm seeing, where all the transactions I've done, all the apps I've con collected, the NFTs, the DAOs that I'm on, the votes that I've placed, like you know, activities, thumbs ups, like all that is just being collected either in Discord or on the Ethereum blockchain, and it's, it's you know, it's there's either a strong API or it's just an open blockchain, so it's all gatherable. And it creates this phenomenal um, biography of not who I've been since the beginning of time, but who I've been since the beginning of my DeFi experience, which right. is, you know, admittedly only about six months. And that's, but that's a mountain of data. And so it's, that's really powerful stuff. It's going to yep. take off. Anyway, let's move mm -hmm. on. We're running out of time. I want to get to Kevin Durant um, because he is now becoming uh, they're going to be the spokesperson for Coinbase. His company, 35 Ventures, um, have signed a multi-year deal with uh, to promote Coinbase. The first ad is out. Bo and I watched it just a few minutes before we went on. Um, I, I actually like the ad, but uh, you'll be seeing it on, you know, I'm sure uh, online uh, or on, on the TV uh, over the next few few days and weeks. But they want Kevin Durant to become the face of the brand, of the Coinbase brand. Um, and yeah, keep in mind that his company invested in Coinbase back in 2017. And I was reading has a 53x return on paper of his investment. So he's already done very well, Kevin Durant, on, uh, on his Coinbase investment. But uh, this, again, I mean, the, 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 there's more like these crypto firms are getting into these you know, big name 
big name, highly recognizable stars to help them promote their company. It's the only way you get consumers because talking about layer two and gas fees, then no one will listen. But if Kevin Durant <laughs> tells you something, you'll go out and buy it or you'll think of it. And so that's why they have to do this because right. if it's the other way, there's zero chance of it ever being adopted widely. Right. Because people are lazy uh, and they don't, frankly, they don't have time to, to spend hours a day trying to figure the stuff out of Kevin Durant and the consumer experience is very, very simple. They can say, all right, I can buy and sell crypto or all right, I can you know pay something. Uh, and the payment is free because it's, you know, in this coin, this digital wallet. And, uh, you know, it's a lot better than using my card at a, a store, but, um, yeah, that's that to me, it, it's eons, uh, more beneficial for the crypto industry, stuff like this than uh, a lot of other things that they do. Yeah, and Coinbase is really going after the mass market. They want to on they want to be the on board on ramp because I remember there was this tweet by Asira uh, Raisman from uh, HM Bradley that I follow on Twitter, and she and she's a local Denver person. Uh, um, she said that if, uh, you know, if you want to get involved with DeFi. And you don't want to spend three hundred dollars on gas fees, and you know take like fifteen steps to actually get to get what you want to get done. You know, it's just never going to take off until it becomes easy. You want people want to be able to connect their bank account, connect a credit card, and just go. And that's what Coinbase offers. But again, you guys are just talking about trading and payments and stuff like that. What what Web three is is the reinvention of the internet. With yeah, and Coinbase is going to be right there. Programmability and and interoperability. So that yeah, that's yeah. we're we're sort of in the early mosaic browser days. And Todd's the guy from AOL who's saying like, just ship me a CD and I'll try it. Right? No, I'm all for it. I'm just saying the rest of society takes a really long time. No, I know you're representing. I'm, I'm saying you're that guy. You're representing that view of just yeah. just to carpet bomb the DVD. Were they called DVD CD ROMs? CD, CD yeah. ROMs, and and then they'll install it. Um, that's absolutely true. But the bigger picture is much bigger than just payments or just uh, yeah. uh, trading in in coins or holding ETH. Well, and, and Coinbase, when you look, you know, I listened to the Bankless podcast with uh, CEO of Coinbase, and he's they they want to be involved in all of that, in all of that. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. And, the, the, and they want to make it so that the mass per, the mass market can use Coinbase to, as an on-ramp to get involved in all that. Now, there's going to be a Coinbase um, MetaMask wallet competitor that's, uh, that they're going to have. And it's, it's, there is a, an aspect to this that is it unknown, is that when they do it, the current internet was built, there was no you know, uh, social media layer to it, to what right. we see today, meaning... There's a lot of stuff that gets thrown out there that X company is bad, X company's doing thing, and this feeds into the powers that be that manage and uh, gate a lot of this stuff uh, in the world. And you know, it, it's going to have an impact. Whether it stops the momentum, probably not. But um, you know, it's that's why I, I just think there's lots of things that get in the way of it uh, taking a very long time. Okay. Well, anyway, we're gonna to have to leave it there. We uh, we have run out of time. Um, this again, this is our last episode. So, 
We will see you back in the new year. Um, it's going to be a, a very exciting year. I have a feeling 2022 is going to be um, the biggest year in the history of the world of fintech, and it's going to be so fascinating to see. So thank you, for, thank you everyone, for, for watching, listening. Uh, we will see you next year. Happy holidays, everybody. See ya.